0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right, I'm glad y'all are back as we continue uh, the series we started last week. I got thinking about growing up. I want you to join me in this. I want you to think about growing up. When you are growing up, there are several significant dates. That call for a celebration Now maybe you'll remember those growing up Maybe you remember those times when there's a significant date in your life And it called for a celebration I, I can remember a bunch of them But there's three that stick out to me more than others April twenty seventh, two 2002 Og- October nineteenth, two 2002 And May 9th, 2005 what are those dates? April 27, 2002 was the day that I celebrated graduating from college. October 19, 2002, I celebrated with Amber our wedding, our marriage to each other. This year we're going on 20 years into October. We're excited. May 9, 2005, we celebrated the birth of our first little girl. Ellie entered this world. Now, I'm sure that you can understand why those dates are important dates in my life. But why does it matter today? See, the reality is each and every one of those days that were celebrated came to an end. And the next morning showed up and something was required of me okay these were big celebrations but every single one of them the day ended and the next day showed up and something was required of me after my graduation what came after i got to get a job right I got to get a job. I actually have to live out what I studied for the past four years. I've, I have a boss that I'm going to have to answer to. I'm actually going to have to produce something from my life of value for that organization. After Amber and I got married. Celebrating the, the celebration of our Commitment. To be each other's partner for life was incredible. But what came next? The next day happened, and we had to figure out how to be a married couple. We celebrated the marriage, but the next day we had to figure out that I couldn't be responsible for just one person anymore. I had two. I couldn't be the same selfish or or Scott-centered person I was. I couldn't think about just me anymore. I couldn't just leave my house after a fight. Because we had the same address. So we had to work it out. We had to figure out how to get two people to be one in our marriage. The celebration was great, but it asked something of us. What about May 9th, 2005, Ellie being born. After that moment of celebration in the hospital and people came to see her and we held her for the first time, what happened next? The day after came, right? We had to leave the hospital. They kicked us out of there, basically, right? It's kind of like, how dare you? You're not going to take Ellie for the night so we can sleep, You're not going to bring us our meals Every time it's breakfast, lunch They kicked us out And after that moment We had to learn How to be married How to be parents We had to take care of Ellie We had to feed Ellie We had to basically give her all of our money And that's not ended (laughs) This is what we had to do The celebration was great But then we had to learn how to be parents See, we have these celebration moments And for you, maybe you you, you remember some of these moments in your life And they're fantastic But there is life after the celebration And why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about this on this Sunday? We had an incredible celebration last week We had an incredible celebration with each other last week Last week we celebrated one of the two biggest moments in the history of Christianity We celebrated the death and resurrection of the man who gave his life to us We put pictures on our social media We hashtag he is risen all over the place we celebrated something worthy of being celebrated. But what happens after the celebration? What happened after Sunday? Monday happened. This week happens. And now we have to learn to live life because of what we celebrated we have to learn to live life that is worthy of the celebration we just had. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to kind of push us today. I kind of want to to challenge us today. I want to challenge us as we continue this series that if you're with us last week, you watched online or listened online last week, you know we started a series called Encounters. And the tagline is really simple. Jesus changes Everything And So what i'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about stories that happened in the gospel where people had encounters with jesus and they it changed something about them I want to talk about these stories where people had a moment with jesus and they weren't the same Afterwards and I want to tell you up front. There's two things I want to accomplish with this one as I want to remind you that Jesus wants to have the same personal encounters with you that we see he had with people in the Bible. You are that important too. I want us to look at these counter- encounters and see if there's something that we can learn because maybe Jesus wants to use their story to change something about our story. And so let's do it. Today, um, we're going to continue. And, and last week, we talked about the encounter Jesus had with the two thieves on the cross. Well, today, we're going to go Luke chapter 7, okay? So if you have your Bible, I want you to take it out. If you don't have a Bible, in general, there are Bibles in the seats if you're in the room, and you can keep those if you want, or grab your phone. We'll have it on the screens. you can follow along. But as you know... What we do here, I want us to wrestle with a piece of scripture. I want God to be able to speak into it. You've been prayed for that God would speak something new into our lives and then leave differently than we walked in. And so we're going to go Luke chapter seven today. In this story, which will start in verse 36, Jesus is sitting in a room, and then all of a sudden he has a seemingly random encounter with a woman. And this story, I think, is going to give us a picture of how life is to be lived after the celebration. All right, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Let me read it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... Uh, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. Now, Jesus answered him Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. But neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them do you think would love him more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I enter has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith, has saved you. Now go in peace. Can you picture this moment? I want us to, as we do here, let's leave our context and picture this moment. What does this look like? What does this scene feel like? Can you picture what's going on? Jesus had been invited by a man to his home. It was someone who had authority. It was someone who had clout. It was someone who had influence, and there Jesus was in his house. Now, I think Jesus was invited... To this man's house most likely because people were beginning to check up on him there was an investigation maybe going on Jesus had created a name for himself he had done healings at this point he had been to different cities people were beginning to learn about him and so now the higher ups in the religious community were going to see this firsthand for themselves and then right in the middle Right in the middle of this scene, a woman walks into the house. Like I said, word had gotten around that Jesus, who he was and what he's done, and now word's gotten around that he's in the town... And he's not only in the town, but he is in Simon's house. People are learning about this. And so let's imagine the conversation, if they're sitting around in their house, is an intense conversation. Is it a casual conversation? We don't know. But what I do believe is that they were watching and listening to everything that Jesus was going to do. They're going to judge him on everything he was about to do in their presence. And so this woman comes in. And this woman is very emotional. Can you see her emotion? You feel her emotion. Just being in the presence of Jesus has touched something at the core of her. Now, this woman, she has a reputation. This woman does not belong in this house, but there she is, and she's just weeping. She is crying. She's just she, She's vulnerable. Tears are rolling down her face onto the feet of Jesus and she's using her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. She is washing the feet of Jesus. She is kissing the feet of Jesus. She is pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus. What a unique moment. What a powerful moment. If you've grown up in the church, don't let this moment be just like uh, how we read the Bible other times where we forget the power of this moment. This does not happen all the time. Can you imagine the men in the room now looking around? Can you imagine their feelings? Is this awkward? Is there confusion? Is their potential anger now that they have? As they begin in this moment to see that what they suspected is true. Jesus is not special. Jesus is not a prophet. If he were a prophet, then he would have never let this sinful woman do this to him. There's nothing special about Jesus. Her sin. Because of her sin, she is not worthy for Jesus to let her do this. And Jesus, knowing this, poses a question. And you saw the question, right? Jesus poses the question to Simon. And Jesus helps Simon see that those who know how much forgiveness they need respond differently to Jesus than those who don't think they need any forgiveness. He helps Simon see that those who don't think they need grace in their life respond differently than those who understand how much forgiveness they needed because of their life. And so there's Jesus. There's Jesus. Picture this. Jesus paints a contrasting picture right in front of them. He's telling them, for those who get it, this is how life should be lived. And for those who don't get it, this won't make sense at all, and maybe even will be looked down upon. And so Jesus looks at this woman and he says, I see what you did right there. Jesus looked at this woman he says, I see how you see yourself and I see how you see me. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Jesus has an encounter with a woman that changed her life. But there's a double encounter because now Simon has had an encounter with Jesus. We don't know if it changed his life. But we know it's put there at his feet that now he has to wrestle with the truth of what he just experienced with Jesus and this woman. We see it changes the woman's life, but did it change his life? And this is what happens in life. We see these stories of Jesus. We may even experience our own stories with Jesus but does it change us does it really change something in our life or does a story just remain a story on the outside something we observe or do these stories do something to us this past wednesday someone from one hope texts me simple quick text it says scott okay Easter 2022 Is behind us Now what now? Wednesday night I get this text Now in this moment when someone sends a text I want to I give wisdom I want to give good thoughtful response And I'm, so I'm thinking about this How can I speak into this man's life? And I think I said something profound I said come back to church Sunday That's all I said come back to church Sunday. Why did I say that? Because his question was the question I want us all to have. Easter 2022 is behind us. What now? I started today by reminding you of what we did last week, right? I started today by reminding us of the celebration we had last week, the most important thing that's ever happened in our life. Last week we celebrated. But now that Sunday is behind us. The celebration is behind us. And the question I want us to answer today is what does the celebration of Easter 2022 call of us today? What does it ask of us today? See, for me, the clarity of that answer is simple. It's right in front of us that I look at this story of the woman with Jesus and I'm like, here's the picture for us. Here's the great big picture right in front of us of how life should be lived once we live in the celebration, understand the celebration of Easter. This picture is right in front of us. Life does not have to be vague or unknown. I think it's right here. Jesus actually knew this was going to happen. Jesus knew that this message was going to be spoken because if you look in the book of Mark, chapter 14 verse 9 where Mark's telling this story this is what Jesus says truly I tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in memory of her Jesus sees what this woman did and goes listen people are going to remember this and people are going to preach the gospel And while they're preaching the gospel, this story is going to come up in memory of her. And I would say, because how she lived life is a calling on all of our lives after the celebration. And so the simple question this morning, what can we learn? What can we learn from the woman with the alabaster jar that helps us live the life of that the celebration last week has called us to. What needs to change? What needs to be focused on? What do we need to evaluate about our lives? And this is this is what I get as I read this story. I think what this woman does, and what we should do, is we need to look at our life and we need to, de- to declare, to declare the importance of Jesus. This is the first thing that I think needs to be called out in our life That through our life we need to declare the importance of Jesus This is what I mean When the woman walked into the room When the woman walked into the room There is no doubt who is the most important person in that room What did I tell you? These people in the room were most likely higher-ups in the religious system in the Jewish community We know that the homeowner is a pharisee named simon. Well, who does a pharisee invite to his parties? Probably either other pharisees or religious people These people are used to being admired Once again, we got to think about this story in their context These people are used to being admired by those around them. But when Jesus is in the room, everything changes. When Jesus is in the room, everything changes. And by her actions, get this, not her words, By her actions, she declares who is most important in that moment in her life. By her actions, she declares who is most important. And as I'm looking at this and I'm evaluating my own life, I just have to ask a simple question. If people look at your life, would they believe that Jesus is the most important thing in every moment of your life? if Jesus is in a room and everything else in your life is in the same room, would there be a doubt of what is most important? This is what this woman challenged me with this week. Through my life, my actions, not my words, I can preach up here and declare the importance of Jesus, right? We can use our words, but through our life, do we declare the importance of Jesus? That's the first thing I, want to, I, I think we need to do, is through our life, we need to evaluate post-celebration. We did celebrate, but do we declare through our life? The second thing is, what we need to do is we need to choose to find our identity in Jesus. Do you know how significant it was that she poured the perfume on Jesus' feet? Do you know how big of a deal that was? That perfume was most likely part of her sinful life. If scholars are correct, then most likely the sin that they're talking about in her life was sexual in nature. That's how people could call her a sinner because it was just out there. We just see it. That perfume most likely was used as an attraction device to males. That perfume was most likely something she put a dab on so that she could attract men so she could make money. That perfume would cover the stench of whatever else in life. And in her pouring it out, The act of pouring it out. I think it signified her walking away from that old life. She didn't need that perfume anymore. She wasn't going to be known as that person anymore. She wasn't going to look at herself that way anymore. Her identity was not going to be found in that anymore. Her identity was now going to be found in the forgiveness of Jesus. Her identity was now going to be found in the relationship with Jesus. Her identity was changed from who she was to who she is now. Because Jesus changes our identity. And her life causes me to pose a question for my life. After the celebration of Easter, where is my identity found? Because you know, this isn't the first time you've heard this. Our identities can get trapped in a lot of things. Our identities can get trapped in our marriages. Our identities can get trapped in our friendships. Our identities can get trapped in our jobs. Our identities can get trapped in, in our kids' activities. Our identities can be, uh, be trapped inside of our money. Our identities can be trapped inside of our goals. Our identities can be found in so many different aspects. And this woman who, who comes to Jesus, has this encounter, I think by pouring out her perfume, she's like, I've got to walk away from that identity because there is a new identity to be found when we celebrate the life of Jesus and what he did. But this is a problem sometimes. We want to attach Jesus to our identities. We take the name of Jesus, but we keep our identities. We take what Jesus did, but then we say, now Jesus, come find yourself in what I find the most important. And what she found was the most important was getting poured out right in front of those men jesus changes our identity and when after we celebrate what jesus did we need to begin to question wrestle with where do i truly find my identity okay the third thing we need to do is we need to live the sacrificial life of jesus let me explain to live the life that jesus calls us to will look more selfless than it is selfish when this woman poured out the perfume on his feet she was pouring out the most valuable thing that she had you've heard that before you know this the Gospel of Mark, and when he tells this story, says that this perfume could have been worth as much as a year's wages. This could have really helped her in figuring out what this new life was going to be. She could have sold this and figured, helped her figure out this transition of how she was going to go from, from who she was to who she is now. But there she is, pouring the perfume See, for her, the sacrifice was worth it. Jesus was worth this moment of declaring who he was to her. And once again, just like our identity, this is a place that we struggle. The idea of sacrifice. idea that following jesus calls us to live a life of sacrifice and question for you this morning could it be said that we are more comfortable living in the celebration of jesus than we are living in the sacrificial life of jesus could it be said that we are more comfortable ask yourself this we're more comfortable living in the celebration of Jesus than when we are living in the sacrificial life of following Jesus do we like the celebration more than we like the lifestyle see there's no way around it to follow Jesus means there will be sacrifice involved you sacrifice your time you sacrifice your loyalties you sacrifice your money, you sacrifice your goals, you sacrifice your perspectives. Now don't get me wrong, on the other side of these things I think is better what Jesus is calling us to, but we're sacrificing something inside of us. We personally would do it differently to follow Jesus. He calls us to sacrifice, and I wonder if this is the roadblock that often stops us from experiencing all that Jesus has called us to. I'm wondering if this is the roadblock that often stops us from from living in the designed life that God has called us to because we'll celebrate Jesus, but we won't do what's necessary in the sacrifice. What I've learned about life is that You don't know what you really consider is valuable until you become okay that it costs you something. You can say something is really valuable to you, but it really doesn't hold value until it costs you something. And for many of us, we'll celebrate Jesus, but we won't sacrifice. And so my simple question there is, is following Jesus costing you anything? If it's not, are we really following him? Or have we just attached him to our lives? Because Jesus does things differently. Is there something that Jesus has been calling you to and you've just been saying no because it's not worth it? Okay, those are the first three. And then the last one. What we need to do is we need to worship Jesus with our whole lives. Can I tell you something you probably already know? We have a reputation. I don't know if you have this reputation, I won't say that, but we have a reputation. Do you know what's said about us by people who don't find themselves as followers of Jesus? What is said about us is that we are one way in this room and another way outside this room. You know what's said about us is that Christians are some of the most divided life kind of people. Once again, I won't say is that you are not you. You have to answer that question. But this is what people say that we are one way at church but are we the same way at home? Am I the same way at church uh, in this room as I am at the baseball field? Am I the same way here as I am at a restaurant, at a car wash, at, a, at work, on vacation? Is there a division in my life or do I worship Jesus with my whole life? When I think about this woman and she walked away from her former life that she found a new one in what Jesus did for her, that her life of worship began in this moment of worship. I believe, we don't have the story after her life, but I'm going to believe, based on how she responded, what she did, is that this, this life of worship began in this moment of worship that happened with Jesus. When Jesus says to Simon, those who know how much they're forgiven, love me at a deeper level. I look at her and she understands that a life of worship comes out of a place of knowing how much you're forgiven. And a life that understands how much you're forgiven is not nearly as divided. Because you don't have a problem of understanding that Jesus is the most important person in the room. You don't have a problem understanding my new identity is found in Him. You will live more sacrificially. You will live with Jesus at the center of everything when you know how much the debt Was paid for your life. Jesus wanted Simon to understand. This woman knew the debt that was paid. You don't get it. You don't understand it yet. You have not grasped who I am. Now, last week we had a celebration. But this week, we need to understand how can our, should our lives be lived because of that celebration? If we don't care about answering that question, then why celebrate in the first place? The death and resurrection of Jesus is worthy to be celebrated. But may our lives show that we understand what we celebrated last week. This story, what it shows me is that the goodness of Jesus came for this woman. The love of Jesus came after this woman. And her response was to live life differently. And Jesus says, because of that, you can go in peace. And so I'm gonna put it on your, at your feet today. We celebrated well last week, but has anything changed because of that celebration? How did you live on Monday? Monday. How are you living in that today? Did the death and resurrection of Jesus change something about your life or are you going back to business as usual? May the goodness of God change something about how we live. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us deeply thank you for coming for us and we celebrate all that you did but God I just pray that we are a church that doesn't just celebrate what you did but that celebration leads to life changing God if there is anything in this room today that people are struggling with that, that, the, that the response to you would be one of surrender the response would be one of just saying, you're right, I can't just celebrate it one day and go back to life, but there has to be something that changes. And I pray that One Hope Church would be a church that says we do more than celebrate. We're transformed by that celebration. So God, speak to your people, I pray. It's your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.